Anurag's tweet about the trivia thing. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I said I wanted to come. I wanted to play. And he said he was down. And then Mason replied and says, I need to beat Lee as the new grindcast arch enemy. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's continuing to be a thing. <laughs> I, I See, I feel like you do just fine against Mason. I don't know, but... I, I I guess Mason's I don't, smart. Mason's really smart. I don't. I'm not saying Mason's not smart, but like your historical knowledge of magic, I believe. Like Mason has not been playing magic for anywhere close to as long as you have been playing magic for. That's true, but he also, you know, knows a lot of niche weird things, especially about the story. That's probably true. Story is definitely one that I'm weak on. Like, I, I could only answer story questions when they, like, appeared on a card. Like, who teamed up with Torbran? Well, I remember <laughs> not being impressed by Rankle and Torbran, the Magic the Gathering card. Yeah. I forgot that existed, but I did know that... It was also a trickster fairy from Eldraine, yeah. so, you know. <laughs> There's, like, only one of those. Who has a name. That's named. Yeah. Uh, Layla is the the other legendary fairy, and she was not. She's like the queen. Yeah, she's not a trickster. I, there should be more trickster queens. That's an archetype. I feel like we have a very limited representation of. Maybe the third time we go to Eldraine, we gotta go back. Eldraine's cool. Yeah, we'll definitely be back. One hundred percent. Also, no shot. I would. I could compete on the. Uh, Any time there's a magic trivia category of anything, I am terrible at pro stuff yeah the the pro nicknames thing was very much like a okay let's spot jarvis all of these points i knew two of them yeah uh, i knew one of the lsv ones the street fighter one and i knew shoda well but you did not know the other one oh, and reed you knew reed so you knew three of them yeah. okay i knew three of them but if you if it wasn't like magic online names and it was just like who won pro tour hawaii and this year i'd be like <laughs> Could not tell you. Well, <laughs> no shot. Unless it was the year that Herbert Holtz won, then I'd know that one. But yeah, that's that's about it. What year was it? That was 2011. I don't know if if it was Pro Tour Hawaii. <laughs> not, I don't know the year. If it were Pro Tour Hawaii, all I could do is guess Herbert Holtz. I guess. Oh, 2006. I, I my first instinct also was 2005. <laughs> you didn't have to look it up. If I needed you to know, I would have told you because I knew that one. <laughs> my my first instinct was 2005, but then I was like, that seems like way too long ago. It couldn't possibly be 2005, but you know, it was like Ravnica and stuff. So 2005 is the year Ravnica came out. Yeah. Anyone with Stomping exactly. Ravnica's deck, yeah, which is 2006. I I know anything if I can relate it to a card, right? Like what year was. Pro Tour Dark Ascension would be 2012 because it's the year Dark Ascension came out. But like, if you just give me a location like Pro Tour Chicago, there's like four of those within like three years. So couldn't tell you. I was pretty disappointed that I couldn't remember the name of Star of Extinction. But again, it was like, oh, don't worry, I couldn't, I couldn't name it either. I'm like, oh, the seven mana deal knew, twenty to everything. I knew it was the seven mana kill a land deal twenty to all creatures and planeswalkers, but I could not, for the life of me, remember the name of that magic card. The first thing I said was Falling Star. No, wait, that's not it. No, we already <laughs> talked about Falling Star. <laughs> that's why it was in my head. I was just describing the art, you know, it's just not the card name. Right. Anyways, in recent news, I won back-to-back Anurag 
trivia stream <laughs> champion. Somehow I was trailing the entire game, including being in negative points. But then I swept up some points at the end. And I think a a miscalculation of uh, uh, final Jeopardy betting math on Kess Wiley's part allowed me to steal the win by like 200 points. Still counts. I mean, you know, I'll take it. You're not playing for, you know, money. This is pride on the line here. You, this is more it's important. far more important. Yeah. So anybody needs me for any trivia related tasks, just get 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 me in there. Especially as it pertains to Eldraine lore. <laughs> I guess that that one I, I did do pretty good in that one somehow. <laughs> it was surprising, actually. Like I knew you won because of the title of the stream. And going into the, you know, there are only six questions left and five of them were Eldraine lore. I'm like, has Ciscar won happen? this one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like no way no shot <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to episode 307 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Well, hi, Chris. Oh, hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are things? Things are going pretty good. Good. I am just hanging out, ready to talk about Wilds of Eldraine. Get your take on the mechanics, especially food. Because I was in a discussion with Ari uh, earlier this week, and I think we have weird opinions on food. <laughs> okay, how so? Ari does not like the food token. Mm-hmm. It's 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 garbage because it's energy counters. It's energy counters that pretends to be like if you activate it, it just makes the game go longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but you're losing the whole time. Yeah, which is kind of miserable. Sure. I love food, but I never want to activate it. I just want it to like stockpile up and then utilize it. Mm -hmm. So I was very hopeful for this set in allowing me to do that once they were printed, like, you know, a whole village of like evil candy people. Yes. That's like a big part of the set, but it's mostly commons and uncommons. Not a lot of cool payoffs like Oko's or geese, gilded geese or... You know, Trail of Crumbs, even. Yeah, Sweet Sweet Tooth is a village that we will mostly be exploring in the limited environment. But they're good limited cards. I, they are good limited from cards. From the look at them. Yeah. They look really good. <laughs> I know the name of the village because of participating in trivia today. So that's that's how I was able to come up with that pretty quick. Yeah, I, I just knew that I've been looking at the cards for a few days now, and it's on a bunch of them. I mean, I didn't put together that it was a village, but... One know. of my favorite card arts, and I sent it to you. It's one of the black like combat tricks. I think it's medium, but the the art is exceptional. Sugar Rush is the name of this. Yes. Uh, it's just like this... I would call it an Eldritch monstrosity in any other setting, but it's made out of candy, and it's opening up a gingerbread door and just like screaming it's <laughs> with it's like so deep. jurassic park got like you know another re-release this past week I, I don't know if it's like 3d exclusive or whatever but kristen and i went and saw jurassic park in 3d because she loves jurassic park and i you know i i do think that it's a very good movie i i like it a lot but this is very much like a velociraptors opening the door 
type thing, except that it's a monster made out of candy with like peppermint claws and sugar crystal teeth. Yeah, it's I just love this card art and I love all the like set pieces in that little area. Mm -hmm. I think it's the green black. Yeah. Um, Shard in the draft or in the set. Uh, and they're not like worth exploring construct or anything. They're pretty bad, but the art and the vibes are like incredible. Yeah, I I think that it is really cool design aesthetically. I Eldraine just has really good baked in storytelling, and this is included. It's very satisfying stuff, and it's also you know it takes on concepts that are like relatively familiar to us. So it's easy to oh yeah a candy monster a gingerbread house like you, you kind of get it in there and then you see. They, they them doing something a little more interesting with it but you had that base to build on so it's very satisfying strangely enough no gingerbread monsters in the set just the gingerbread folk they're just little guys and girls yeah sir ginger and tough cookie and such yeah they're friends they're they're not part of the village of all sweets which is weird but whatever maybe that's you know maybe they're immigrants you know that's where they came from originally but they settled elsewhere well it's tough to live in a house made of gingerbread if you are also made of gingerbread this is getting very existential (laughs) is is he made of house or is the house made of flesh he screams for he he does does not not know know. (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) that's the internal question of of a gingerbread man sitting in his house it's it's terrifying and we don't really want to go there in a magic set i think and that's why there are no gingerbread men in Sweet Tooth Village. All right, but what about real cards in, in Wilds of Drain? Like, what do you, what's our structure of this podcast? Like, what, are, what did you want to do? Well, so I just pulled cards off of Scryfall in order, like, just colors and alphabetical order, just stuff that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet that has implications. So we don't need to do this in the order that I have them in the document, but they're, they are in there that way. So we can just start going through or you can like you know pull us towards stuff that you actually want to talk about well let's start doing your list and if i see something in scryfall i want to talk about while i'm looking at those cards we'll just circle back sure uh so we're starting today with regal bunnycorn which is one in a white for a rabbit unicorn with power and toughness each equal to the number of non-land permanents you control which is just potentially an extremely large vanilla creature for two mana. And it's like costed way less than any of this type of effect we've ever seen before. So I have no idea. I'm not picturing a deck for it or anything like that. But between like food and rolls, it's probably pretty easy to get a decent number of permanence into play pretty quickly for pretty cheaply. And this is not that hard to be a two mana four four five five or even bigger obviously the more your opponent interacts with you the worse it gets but it it get it's huge for one in a white potentially just in the white color if you go bonicorn into wedding announcement that's already a bunch of permits that's that's really true and you know like i often picture cards like this in cube just like as a way of thinking about it with other cards like thraven inspector into regal bunnycorn is like this is a three three already and you haven't even played your turn three play this thing's just kind of massive any adventure that makes a token is going to be good with this Mm -hmm. like the five mana virtue in the set is two mana make a two two and then it's an enchantment on the other side that's like an anthem so you're you know playing a permanent up front playing permanent later 
I don't know. It seems it is just a vanilla creature. Right. So there's like a cat, but, but it's big. It's big. I like I big think is a good keyword. There there may be decks that you can build there where this is just like a two mana six six like consistently. And that's that's nice. So Yeah, one of the real problems you run into constructing decks for standard and pioneer, especially for white creatures, is that your two drops suck. Yes. Like they're just not very good. And even the ones that you want to play, they have specific times you want to play them. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why something like Blood Tithe Harvester is really, really strong. Because it's like always good no matter when you play it. But a lot of other colors do not have cards like Blood Tithe Harvester. Yeah. And you just fill the gap with cards like Regal Bonicorn where, I mean, this card's like, it asks you to do something. But if you're doing the thing, it is good at most points of the game. Yeah. And it's very large. It like opponent has to deal with it. It pays you off for doing the thing. Yeah. But that's, you know, complete aside. But that's one of the reasons why, like, Luminarch Aspirant was so good. It's just like, not only is it so good and it's fine on any turn of the game, but it had no competition whatsoever for that slot in any of the decks it was in. Yeah, they just don't really print good two drops anymore, uh, which is kind of why I like the mana rock in the set, the Iron Crag, mm-hmm. we decided it was called. <laughs> they do pl- print plenty of good three drops, so, you know. Yeah, that's the danger. They put good four drops too. Iron Crag scales into those. True. And anytime you are curving out, usually things at three and four do make multiple things. So your Bonacore can be good even if you don't play it on turn two. Yeah, I mean, just putting this in a deck with Wedding Announcement does seem like a six starting place. And then we'll see what happens after that. It does have to be a format that can like sustain like a Bunnicorn st- sticking around. Like you should be able to play it on turn two and have it be doing something mm-hmm. uh, and not. So like a Fatal Push was everywhere, for instance. Yeah. I wouldn't expect this card to be playable. Or if straight power and toughness with no evasion didn't really matter that much. Like you could just chump, chump block a bunch. That's also a problem. So it definitely has weaknesses, but it is big. Yeah. Uh, my next card actually goes with it pretty nicely, potentially. This is Spellbook Vendor. One and a white for a 2-2 human peasant with vigilance. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may pay one. When you do, create a sorcerer roll token attached to target creature you control. And the sorcerer roll gives the creature plus one, plus one. And whenever this creature attacks, scry one. So this is like a much, much worse Luminarch Aspirant. Yes. (laughs) But Luminarch Aspirant was really good. And we've seen like three mana luminarch aspirant with some extra text to be very good so there may be spot for this but you know spellbook vendor worse in a lot of ways you have to pay a mana to get the counter so playing this on turn two you don't get a counter although it is two two to start so that's you know kind of a wash there a little bit but you do have to pay one each time uh so multiples of these get like a lot worse because not only do you have to pay one each time but you can't have multiple sorcerer rolls on a creature so you can't stack them up but you get some scries and you also get like a lot of permanent count for if that matters for stuff like bunny corn or if you need the enchantments for something i don't feel this card mm-hmm. i think it's a lot worse than the bunny corn though it, it just doesn't do it for me like i think most of the time it's just going to be a tutu vigilance guy and the fact that you can't stack the the rolls on top of itself means that you're not breakpointing combat like like this the luminar gasprins of the world are actually good at doing yeah i mean 
having to pay the mana is a little awkward. It's, I mean, it's obviously very awkward, but this is a card that is a two drop that's also like okay to you know your turn three casting this thing you cast it and then you put a roll on it and so you've cast a three three vigilance that scries when it attacks and then also threatens to give further value as the game goes on like i don't think this card is incredible but if there is an aggressive white deck i think this is probably one of the creatures in it i think it's in standard i can agree with that just because like what two drops are you playing like rafine's a format is probably yeah, it might actually be better than this card, but that's that's your line, right? right? That's like that's what you're reaching for. The mono white deck, that's the control deck prior, had played like the the two mana thing that gets a land and spirited companion, and these were like your two drops, and they sucked. They were really bad. Yes. So yeah, I agree that it'll be played just because like your options are non-existent, right? But I don't think it's that good of a card. Yeah, but that doesn't matter, right? It only matters right. if it fills a role. I wish it was free to do the thing, or at least it cost three and was free to do the thing. It was a little bitter, bigger. I'd be more into it. You already but, have a million three drops to play in your white deck, though. So, yeah, I know the thing that I think is unique about this card that actually could be interesting is the fact that it does make enchantments. Mm -hmm. But you are paying at a specific point in time to do that, and their auras. And I just don't think all that is worth the trouble. Yeah. I think there's a decent chance it'll see play, but it's not ever. I think it's very rarely going to be a card that your opponent casts it and you're like, ugh, I, they always have this unturned. It's not like uh, Luminar Casper. Spellbook Vendor again. Yeah, exactly. They always have this unturned too. Can't put a thing on their thing. Untap. Then don't play a three drop so they can put another aura on their thing. Yeah. <laughs> It, yeah, it is weird. It's a two drop that like will see play because of a paucity of two drops, but it's also a two drop that wants you to have excess two drops in your deck so that your turn three is like two drop and then, you know, pay for this trigger. So, yeah, and they're like bad in multiples still, because even if you play the first one and play the second one and make I it a sorcerer, the third or the second one's not triggering. Yeah, like, I think that's my main it. issue with it is that it's so bad in multiples and maybe that kills it completely. Yeah, don't love it. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you, you got to do what something. you got to do. Look, if there's a deck with tail of a tail for the ages, which is the enchanted creatures get plus two plus two aura. Yeah. Or it's an enchantment. It's just two mana. They, they will be talking, right? Yeah. That's something you can do. But that card but is can't that a possibly thing you can be playable. Do? So no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like cards like this. Tail for the ages. Those are aspirational cards. You got to really dig for your roles. Start playing your... Uh, your one black mana cursed guys. Yeah. Uh, I kind of hate cards like that, but I, I get the the quest is there to try to figure out a way to satisfy the requirement. But why do you hate them? I'm just curious. Do you hate playing them or that they exist? I don't hate that they exist. I, I just would never, ever like the quest isn't particularly appealing to me. I'm never going to try to build a deck that it works in. I, you know, I don't mind seeing it like 10th pick in a draft. And I'm like, wait, I have like, five or six roll cards already can i make this work like that like that's fun for me for sure i don't i don't want to talk tail for the ages i haven't done the analysis about if that card is even like yeah. playable i doubt it no we'll have to spend some time drafting to figure it out my next white card is definitely playable perhaps one of the best limited cards we have ever seen uh and yeah, probably good and constructed too this is virtue of loyalty it is a three white white enchantment 
At the beginning of your end step, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control, untap those creatures, and it has an adventure of one in a white for an instant, create a 2-2 knight creature token with vigilance. So I love how this fills in your two drop gap with like some some sauce. Card. Yeah. So Spellbook Vendor, for reference, is also a two mana 2-2 two, two vigilance with an ability that's kind of unwieldy and hard to use. Mm -hmm. So every time your opponent plays a, a white mint, like a planes for their second turn and passes, you're like, oh no, they drew the good one. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is an instant 2-2 two, two of vigilance with an enchantment on the backside. Yeah, and like just doing something on turn two is good generally and you know 2-2 two, two with vigilance that isn't doing anything else is not like the greatest thing in the world but it also drew you a card and it drew you this five man enchantment that's going to like win you any battlefield any contested battlefield yeah it's a it's a really slow anthem uh five mana doesn't work until your end step so like the turn you play it you do have some sort of board but after your end step you start winning the board instantaneously so <laughs> you'll live yeah uh, and if you have the bunny corn you cannot get attacked back because you get to attack with the bunny corn it's big it untaps it gets a counter yeah so now it can be on for block which is all about vigilance in white nowadays if there is just like any sort of mid-rangey white deck that is like creature heavy like you know has utility creatures that do a lot of your work for you and like removal and stuff and then this just takes any body and makes it gigantic if we're still running spirited companion for any reason too like this this is great with cards like that uh i think that this card might just be very good potentially it's also good with like man lands and stuff even if they've they've killed all of your creatures and you just have this in play and then you attack with a creature land and then at the end of your turn you put a counter on it and you untap it so maybe you have mana up on your opponent's turn that you wouldn't have been able to do after attacking with a creature land like i, I think this card might just be really really good no i think it is can i can we talk about where a fox bodyguard because this isn't on your list yeah i love this card oh yes yeah we can talk about that so where fox bodyguard is one white white for a two two elf fox knight I'm not sure why it's an elf. If you look at the art, it's it's just a fox with all the fox features. It's not even like an elf with a fox head. It's like it's a fox. It's just a, a Robin Hood, a Disney's Robin Hood fox. But anyway, it's it's a 2-2 with flash. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you exile up to one target non-fox creature until where fox bodyguard leaves the battlefield. And you can pay two mana and sacrifice it to gain two life. So relevantly, this is a... A brutal cathar side grade like it is extra white intensive but it can get flash which is a huge deal for these types of effects yeah uh, and it also can protect your own creatures from removal it's a that's what the bodyguard is <laughs> sure and that's what the sacrifice to gain two life like component yeah, that's, of it is for that's the joke like you can you can flash this in protect one of your creatures that's being targeted by removal or dying in combat or whatever mm -hmm. Uh, and then you can just cash this as fox in for two life and get your creature back. Uh, it's a card I actually like. I think it performs a, like a pretty good role that you would use like in standard Brutal Cathar for right now. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just a little more flexible than Brutal Cathar. Yeah, it's a little more flexible, but it lacks some of the raw power of Brutal Cathar. The way like, 
Yeah, where you can just transform. Yes. I mean, if Brutal Cathar starts transforming, like there are games that it just takes over and, you know, the body becomes like super relevant once it's a 3-3 first strike. But obviously this having flash is a big deal, too. I think that probably some of the decks that want Brutal Cathar aren't really going to be interested in this, but it's much more stable against like if you really need to like remove a creature for at least a turn and stuff it it does it a little bit you know you can time it's, things it's a one of those better. cards you can like feel better about putting in your main deck mm-hmm. than something like brutal cathar because you play against the very low creature count deck that has high removal spells right. is pretty bad but this card actually does something yeah yeah uh, also relevantly i did a little scryful search for any relevant foxes you could not exile with this card's ability the only one I could come across was the backside of Restoration of Iganjo. Oh, that's a fox. Interesting. That a is actually one that you might want to like blinking that one isn't that bad. Yeah. So that you can't you can't get your architect of restoration, but anything else is is pretty much fair game. You can't get unsettled mariner with it. Sure. Zerda, the Dawnwalker. <laughs> Light pause. I've had a couple of Zerda infinite mana decks in this iteration of the vintage cube. And that's very fun. It's also like a really clean infinite mana because you get like two mana on each iteration. So it's like yeah. pretty quick to get to the to amount you need. Five million times. It's you nice. You just yeah. have to do it two and a half million times. Yeah. Sadly, I, I keep having it without an infinite thing to dump my mana into. So I'm just like, you know, casting a mere battle sphere or whatever, and just like trying to draw my <laughs> my walking ballista, but never hitting it. Walking ballista also very efficient with Zerda in play. Yeah, it's real good with Zerda in play. Walking ballista also just good. Like I had an opponent who hot take. I mean, yeah. I also like just in, in vintage cube. Like I think that I keep getting it really late, and I think people don't quite value it highly enough i i had a game where i was just like massively flooded my opponent urza's saga and made two constructs and then they got back a what's it called the the black white thing that exiles a permanent when it comes in and leaves archon ashen rider ashen rider yeah Um, i always think that card is named archon of whatever it seems like it should be it's creature type is archon yeah and every time i start to like call this card by name like archon of no that's not the name i don't know the black white one (laughs) yes so anyways they like i was just like massively flooded and then they had multiple constructs and an archon and they attacked me down to like 15 with the archon and then i drew walking ballista and i played a nine nine walking ballista and it was impossible for them to win the game (laughs) that's so much mana i had a, a grim monolith and uh another like source of several points and i think i had both monoliths in play so you know salt we were were getting pretty close uh speaking of hot takes like walking ballista is a a good card Uh, mason had a tweet of hot takes today and i started reading those because they were at the end of my work day when i was bored Mm -hmm. and they were probably just more accurately described as some of them were a little lukewarm yeah (laughs) They were just takes like, I don't think there are any hot ones. I agreed with a lot with most of them. Maybe they're, you know, they're hot to people who aren't ready for them. I guess. I guess. Like uh, room temperature gazpacho soup when you're expecting it to be ice cold. Sure. It's a good analogy. I'm sure that's, you know. I came up with it myself. I didn't steal it from a sketch comedy show on Netflix or anything. (laughs) 
I don't remember what we, we subbed too many yeah. tangents. I don't remember where we started. So next card I've got is Asinine Antics. This is two blue blue for a sorcery. You may cast it as though it had flash if you pay two more to cast it. For each creature your opponent's control, create a cursed. Are we saying cursed or cursed? Create a cursed roll token attached to that creature. What would they say in the storybooks? I don't know, like a a curse. I don't know. It could go either way. It really depends on the accent if I was playing the villain. Yeah, I would say that just do whatever you feel in your heart is how you can pronounce it. It, it makes the creatures one ones. They still have their abilities right. relevantly. So I think it's mostly relevant for if there are like creaturey mirrors where like you don't want to cast this as a wrath. Like it's not effective. Like, oh, they put three creatures in play. I'll asinine antics it. And it's like, okay, well, I'll still attack you for three plus any plus one plus one counters or abilities or whatever. Like spending a card on that is bad. But if you have creatures in play, too, and generally like they're just outsizing you like this seems if there's a fairies deck. And then you have to play against green or white decks. And then you can just cast Asinine Antics and turn their creatures into not very threatening anymore. And you can actually rumble with them in combat. That does seem pretty cool. Also, in multiplayer formats, this create <laughs> the the like ratio of permanence created to mana cost of your spell is like the highest I've ever seen. So if you ever need to create like 13 enchantments for four mana, this is a way to do it. Just get a, a lot of, you know, triggers for whatever constellation cards you have in play. I don't I don't have a lot to say about Asinine Antics. It's kind of one of those cards that is a solution to a problem we don't know what it needs to be solved yet. Yeah. Like, I feel like this is like, you know, you're playing fairies or some, something somewhere like that. You need this specific answer to like a, a wide board. And then this card is there for you. But it's not like a... Yeah. Well, I'm looking for spots to put this in. Like, it would have been... And I, now I'm just thinking of this because it's Eldraine or whatever. But, like, it would have been crazy in Adventure Mirrors, right? Because you end up with these, like, everybody has all of these creatures in play. And then you just turn all of them. And half of them are Beanstalk Giants. Yes. Half of them are Beanstalk Giants. The other half are, like, Lovestruck Beasts. Nobody can attack. And then you turn all their creatures into 1-1s. One and then you can just crush them. And it can just be in your sideboard. You can wish for it. Yeah, that's true. Not relevant to this format, but like if this card had existed in, you know, Teamer Adventures standard, it would have broken a lot of those mirrors. So yeah, but that's what I'm saying. It's like definitely a sideboard card that can break open mm -hmm. a situation you need it to. But it's not like you're rushing to throw it in your main deck. So no, you're yeah, a lot of value I, I'm not looking at this card like, oh, yeah, what a what a massive oh, value yeah. card. But I'm but it has a place for sure and whether that place comes up but we have seen plenty of matchups where like this would have been an effective sideboard card okay i want to talk about one fairy centric card that we don't we haven't talked about yet sure or and isn't on the list and that's talion's messenger okay so this is two and a blue for a one three flying fairy noble not legendary uh Whenever you attack with one or more fairies, draw a card, then discard a card. When you discard a card this way, put a plus plus one counter on target fairy you control. So this card does work the turn you play it. You can it's it's like Rafine. You can play it, attack with something else, mm -hmm. and then you essentially connive. And you can put the counter wherever you want. Uh, it also works if you discard lands, unlike connive. Uh, the reason I'm calling out this card specifically is it's like one of the very few 
fairies that look like it would be good at enabling a, like having a fairy creatures in your deck because mm-hmm. one of the big draws to the fairies in this set is that their spells are really good like any of the cards that are like if you control a fairy all this other stuff happens uh those are pretty strong but controlling the fairy is the hard part uh there's not a lot of good fairies uh, and i think this is one of the ones that is actually good yeah it also kind of fits in the category of like cards that are only good if you control a fairy already like in a way it is in one of those but it does work with itself yeah but casting this without a fairy on the board i think feels pretty pretty awful most of the time yeah i also wish it were just a smidgen bigger yeah like the fact that it dies to like strangle and cut down i'm not you know i don't know how much play strangle is ever going to see but it dies to like a lot of the very cheap removal yeah cut cut down is a a problem i think going forward yeah <laughs> until it actually rotates what 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 was that set in dominaria dominaria united. united okay yeah so it rotates out in the next rotation assuming standard doesn't get extended to four years <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so uh, while cut down is legal and heavily played i can't see a card like this being particularly good but maybe at some point in the future it also suffers from the we don't do blocks anymore mm-hmm. so yeah, maybe limited number of fairies. But, uh, like, end of turn fairy mastermind, end of turn Yuda, untap Talion's messenger. Like, that is kind of sick if you you pull that off. Obviously, cut down just, like, still works against that to shut you down pretty hard, but. You throw in a sleep cursed fairy. Yeah. Or some of the black ones. Actually, don't think any of the black fairies are that good, but whatever. Yeah. They exist. It is it is funny just like obviously this card costs two and a blue and not black white blue but like Rafine just like knocks this one silly on like any aspect of power level that you can think of. Hey, Rafine is a legendary creature. Those are yeah, the sacred. It's also a three color creature, but also I've a conspiracy that I'm like pretty convinced that Watsi cut down the number of planeswalkers just so they could have more legendary creatures and sets. I I think that is like fine honestly which is kind of crazy to me because people aren't building from the legendary creatures in the set as much as they are just waiting for the commander products to come out and building whatever busted commanders are in those yeah again one of the problems with commander but anyway anyway you can go back to your list all right continuing on with the list next we've got the end two black black for an instant this spell costs two less to cast if your life total is five or less. You exile target creature or planeswalker, search its controller's hand, graveyard, and library for any number of cards with the same name as that permanent, and exiles them, and then they draw a card for each card exiled from their hand this way. So you exile any creature or planeswalker, and then you stone brain them for that creature. I don't think that this is like the go-to. Obviously, like how many four mana removal spells can you fit in your deck? But you can't play something that's like uh, an original Dominaria blue-white control deck with four Teferi Hero of Dominarias as your like only way to get card advantage and win the game when a card like The End is in the format. You just will get absolutely ranched doing that. Yeah, I, this card's just good. Like It is a solid removal spell. It kind of reminds me of Skewer. What's it called? Sever the Bloodlines? Mm-hmm. But backwards. Sever the Bloodlines only worked in play and it was really good against tokens. This one's like is really good against people having cards in their deck. (laughs) 
But the fact that it's a removal spell up front makes it like worth considering. What's their best creature? Like they cast Shieldred, you the end it, and now your opponent doesn't have Shieldreds in their deck anymore. That's I think it's really strong against Karn the Great Creator, like a Pioneer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think it'll be a very good card against Mono Green and Pioneer generally, yeah. Yeah, because you you get their Karns or their Cavalier of Thorns, and it's just like, all right, we dealt with the problem that's on the board that we needed to deal with. Yeah. Like this was a problem. Uh, and now we don't have to deal with that problem anymore for the rest of the game. Dude, I mean, when when they cast Karn, get something, and then you just the end it, and now they don't have access to the combo anymore, they don't have access to an ex- their additional Karn activation, they can't top deck another Karn, they don't have any way of Karning anymore, and their deck is a lot worse, as long as you can cover the power-toughness angle of the deck. Also, Storm the Festival gets a lot less impressive with each like cards you extract from their deck yeah like your your hits are pretty minimal like you have a lot of them when you're playing mono green i don't know how many people have like played mono green a bunch right but you want to hit cavalier karn kiora yeah those are the three cards and if you don't have cavalier or karn your cures get a lot less good yeah like because you don't you can't use the mana as efficiently without uh karn and if you're just fl- using the mana to flashback during the festival and you're not hitting either karn or cavalier yeah like you're you're just not doing enough yeah, I, I think the end is going to be really important in Pioneer. I mean, four mana is a lot to be I'll sure. just go to five beforehand, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just don't, right? Don't block, take those troll hits. <laughs> just go to a cool about five, and then, then your spells are really cheap. You can the end two of their things. <laughs> uh, I have a couple of weird black cards to talk about. Let's do it. That well, First of all, Ministrosity not a constructed card it's just my, one of my fa- another one of those sweet tooth village cards uh-huh. that are like very adorable also i love the the name of it wait say it again ministrosity I, how do you spell that m-i-n uh-huh. oh it's mintstrosity mintstrosity oh it's even, even better. better it's just a bunch of candy canes all stapled together then looking very evil <laughs> that that is really cute i'm into this yeah Anyway, back to the like cards you might play in a constructed format one day. I have two kind of mm-hmm. speculative ones uh, that I, I think are neat in the set. Uh, one is the fault of Cody from the the Bolt the Bird podcast, mm-hmm. which is uh, with him and Nathan Stoyer. Hopeless Nightmare. This is a black mana enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card and loses two life. Uh, and then when it's put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you scry two. And you can get it there by paying three mana to sacrifice it. Yeah, what a what a sick ability. Two in a black sacrifice hopeless nightmare. Yeah, because then you get the, the, the scry two. It's very weird. <laughs> very weird ability to get. But, but anyway. But you get the scry two if you sacrifice it to bargain or anything else. Yeah. Yeah, which is really bad for Beseech the Mirror because you like, which is the best part yeah, of the card. Yeah, that's right? funny. Because you bargain it with Beseech the Mirror, Scry 2, right, then shuffle your library, <laughs> search your library. <laughs> it is sick with Doom Foretold, though, because you sacrifice it on your upkeep and then you go to your draw step. Yeah, that is what I was about to bring up. <laughs> Doom Foretold is really cool, especially because Beseech the Mirror is really good in that deck. That yeah. It lets you tutor for Doom Foretold and put it into play. Which is really important because four copies of Doom Foretold is not actually enough for d- that for a doom foretold deck to really work and doom foretold deck is really doom foretold is really expensive it's a four mana enchantment mm-hmm. uh, which is another reason why i think 
uh, the Iron Crag, the two mana mana rock, hmm. would be really good in that deck because it's legendary drawback. Even though you're not using like you know, it becomes an equipment mode. Yeah, <laughs> very rarely. Like I guess you can suit up the knight you get off of Doom Foretold. Well, you if are you really want to probably companioning Yorion in this deck. So maybe I, I I haven't started building it yet. There's a companioning Yorion comes at the cost of. Ugh, I have to play Yorion. Yeah, but Yorion is really good. So it is really good. There's that. Uh, like when we were playing, you know, Doom Foretold in Standard, like Yorion was really important to let that deck keep going. Also had, I don't know if you're playing Charming Prince in this Pioneer deck, but the Yorion Charming Prince loop lets you outvalue anything that anybody is doing on board. Yeah, I think that's unlikely because there's a lot of strong cards in Pioneer that aren't that are not Charming like Prince. Yeah, Charming Prince. Like for instance, I suggested starfield of nyx for this doom foretold deck doom foretold is actually a, a deck i've tried to build in pioneer a long long time ago mm -hmm. before they banned a bunch of cards uh funnily enough i was going to play it at the iq we both played at that i think you won uh, i ended up playing like a very very early version of lotus field in that tournament okay like before underworld breach had even been printed oh at the very beginning of pioneer Yes, gotcha. And I, I had un Doom foretold sleeved up in my bag because I thought I was going to play it that day. Sure. Uh, but Starfield of Nyx is one of the cards I like in that deck because it's a. If you don't know what that card is, it's really old from Magic Origins. It lets you bring back an enchantment from your graveyard back every turn on your upkeep. Yeah. And if you have a bunch of enchantments in play, they all become creatures, which is something you kind of want to avoid most of the time. <laughs> it's usually you, pretty bad for you. <laughs> you just want to bring back whatever enchantment has a come to playability or artifact or, yeah enchantments only enchantment with has a come to playability and then sacrifice to doom foretold and you just keep the drain going that way uh, and when they run out of permanence you sacrifice the doom foretold and bring it back uh, but hopeless nightmare the eldraine card is a neat little piece of this puzzle because it is a one mana enchantment that is card advantage and sticks around while dealing a little bit of damage to your opponent, which is really good in multiples if you can recur it, if you Yori on it, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like what Hopeless Nightmare and Beseech the Mirror do for the Pioneer, like Doom Foretold Space, if we can, you know, break into that yeah. green. That deadlock. is, well, I mean, this is a deck that can play a bunch of the ends if you want to. True, yeah. The black is you can also play Thoughtseize, which is you know you, still strong. You definitely play Thoughtseize, yeah. <laughs> I, I, they're, they're, black is a good color in Pioneer because it has access to some of the best cards. Is what I'm kind of getting across. Yeah, well, and and also thinking about like its positioning in the metagame, like, well, okay, so it would have been really good if the main Rakdos deck you had to play against was mid range because the Doom for Dole deck is gonna outvalue the mid range deck. Unfortunately, Doom Foretold versus Cauldron Familiar is traditionally a matchup that has not favored the card Doom Foretold. Like, that has been really problematic. Like, that has been a reason to not play Doom Foretold in Standard and stuff. So, with Rakdos Sacrifice being the main Rakdos deck, you're going to have to find solutions to that, that matchup. I will say it's a lot more forgiving to play a couple of, like, main deck random hate pieces that are artifacts or enchantments that you can just, like bargain away or sacrifice to doom foretold and then you can tutor them up with beseech the mirror right like it, it, i could see pretty easily just playing like a soul guide lantern or something to snipe a, a cauldron familiar and cycle away if i need to dude you could play a yasharn um, and you could beseech the mirror for it that's true yeah i didn't even think about that 
I don't know. No, I, I, I'm in. I, I, I'm interested in like exploring with this because ever since Cody mentioned it on Twitter, I've been like, I know. Yeah. Maybe we can go back to this and like build some stuff. Like this seems legitimately interesting. Yeah, I am a a, a known like Doom Foretold fan, so I if we can make this work, I'm I'm down. I'm not a Doom Foretold fan, but I appreciate the space it plays in a lot, mm-hmm. which is kind of just doing its own thing. Like people are not fighting on your access very often. Yeah, exactly. I also like that the card is completely unreadable. Like, you just can't understand what that card does until you play multiple games with it. Yeah, that was the best part about spoiler season, where it was unplayable. Everyone agreed. We agreed yeah. it was unplayable. Yeah, because it just... It, I mean, it, it also reads, like, other cards that, like, are terrible, so... Yeah. And then the very first tournament was, like, a Twitch yeah. challenge or whatever, and Doomfortold won it. We're like, oh, okay. Oh, this card does not do what we thought it no. did. <laughs> I didn't understand at all. <laughs> so yeah hype for doom foretold the other card i want to talk about is a lot more speculative uh, because as mentioned previously i really like food I really like food cards uh so this next card is lich knight's Con- lich knight's conquest uh, jesse mentioned this on the last one yeah you know that's the only magic card that has the word conquest in the name wait really yeah also surprisingly uh hopeless nightmare was the only magic card that has the word hopeless in the name so Really breaking new ground here. Uh, yeah, I guess. I appreciate you doing the Scryfall searches manually to give us this information. Yeah, well, I <laughs> I do what I can. So four and a black multi-bargain. Sacrifice any number of things you want. Uh, and return that many creature cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. This is kind of like the combo card mm-hmm. <laughs> that pays off food. So you got your, your food engine, your maybe or whatever something that's putting things into play and then you can sacrifice all your stuff and bring back creatures now you do need a couple of other components like a way to put cards in the graveyard Mm -hmm. Uh, and i don't think the food cards lend themselves to that very well in this set they are mostly kind of bad creatures or adventures which don't go to the graveyard they go to exile the main card that works insanely well for this unfortunately is only legal and modern which is underworld cookbook yes that is about what i was about to say okay i'm sorry (laughs) now you're fine (laughs) underworld cookbook is the only card i could think of that like marriages this Mm -hmm. and i don't know i'm interested in trying it because there are a lot of really bad uh asimore decks out there that kind of just struggle to finish a game yeah Uh, and this is one of the cards it's like all right, we're we've done the thing. We have a million food in play. We're gonna just bring everything back, and just, we've got a huge board now. It lets you play a bunch more uh, furies and stuff like that. Grief, if you want to, sure. Uh, but then maybe you're just in for a deck entirely. It's something I'm interested in trying because I don't think the standard or pioneer cards get there, and this may be too expensive for modern, but it is in a good shell where you know the underworld cookbook lets you. Get, and Dom is poisoning me earlier today. He was playing a food deck in modern. Would not tell me like the deck list. It was just like feasting troll kinging. I'm like, please tell me. <laughs> I'm sure we will see. So I've got food on the brain in modern right now. Yeah. Well, so one other food card that I actually, and I'm going to scroll a little more down my list uh, just so we can stay on this topic. So one food payoff that I, think has potential as well is night of the sweets revenge set the green enchantment yeah, yeah sorry. 
So this is three and a green for an enchantment. When it ETBs create a food token, foods you control have tap at a green and it has five and, a, and two green. Sacrifice, Knight of Suits, Revenge. Creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn where X is the number of foods you control. Activate only as a sorcery. Like if you are good at generating food, then this can give you a ton of mana. It also does make a food on its own. So if you have one food in play, then this comes down and then refunds you two mana. If you have two food in play, it comes down and refunds you three of it, three of the mana that you paid for it. And that's starting to get like kind of scary, actually. And then you just have so much mana on the next turn after that. You know, this is not wilderness reclamation, but it's doing an impression of it. And for the food deck, you know, you can use all of that mana on your main phase the next turn if you get there with this enchantment in play. And I don't know if it's like, because as you were saying, like one of the things that the Asmore decks does is just not kill your opponent and just accumulate like infinite food. I don't know if this really solves too many problems there, but it certainly lets you like hard cast your Archons of Cruelty or whatever, I guess. This just reads like a card that can do some really powerful stuff and also be kind of low cost at doing it, especially if you can cast another spell the turn that you cast this, then that's really good. Yeah, I think this might open up more of the Chatterfang type of food decks, mm -hmm. personally, because like the Academy Manufacturer works with this card extremely strongly. Right. Because it, it makes a clue and a treasure, so you can tap your food and your treasure to correct the clue. Usually that like core tenet of Academy Manufacturer is you need two tokens to start cracking a clue so you can draw a card, mm -hmm. which bottlenecks your mana pretty considerably. Uh, and this card yeah shortcuts that entirely yeah and it 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 does follow up like right if you have academy manufacturer in play and nothing else you cast this and then you get the three tokens and then you just start to sort of start going yeah, from there crack a clue and unlike urza which is the other you know four mana card mm -hmm. that gives your artifacts to mana abilities essentially this one's not a creature so your opponent just can't remove it for free yeah uh, which is nice. I don't know if that's going to be strong enough, and I don't think it's strong enough to play a bunch of. Like, I'm not going to play four of this card like I would four Urzes, but... But it's also the right color for these sorts of decks, too. So that's helpful. Yeah, it's the, and, it, and it casts the Court of Calling, which is the, the most impossible card to cast. Right, right, right. <laughs> if you're playing the more Academy Manufacturer one. Uh, but it gives you something to do. You can also like hybridize them, right? You could play Underworld Cookbook, Night of Sweet's Revenge, and Unearth the mm -hmm. Academy Manufacturer. And the reason I mentioned Chatterfang earlier is because this card has like an ultimate in quotes, uh, where you pay seven mana and sag it, and creatures you control get plus X plus X or X number of foods you control. Uh, Chatterfang does make a lot of squirrels, and it's not hard to end the game with them, but it's really easy if you like only have five squirrels or something. And your opponent has two creatures, but you have a ton of food. Yeah. You just do. Uh, all of a sudden, those squirrels are like 11 11s, and you just attack five of them. And all of a sudden, it's lethal instead of like your opponent blocks two of them and takes three. Yeah. I I think there's some room here because this, this card does like adding the when it ETBs create a food token feels pretty generous to me and feels like it really unlocks a lot of what this card wants to do. Like you get some amount of mana back definitely the turn that you cast it and maybe a lot and then it's just sitting there ready to make a ton of mana on future turns i, I i'm in yeah i i like this card but mostly only with 
mechanical factor. Mostly. Like, I think it's a little too slow anywhere else. Yeah. But if we can make or this work too... in modern, I think that's like that's really exciting if, if this yes. can do the thing in modern. I have a lot of bad cards in the food deck I have built for fun right now, currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, like, two to five slots in the main deck that it just can be anything at any time because nothing's that good. Yeah. Uh, and this is definitely one of the cards I would, like, try two of. Yeah. I mean, this feels like a good card to me. This feels like a card that, like, there are many turns where your opponent doesn't want you to have this. And that's that's pretty cool for a, like, uncommon enchantment with the set mechanic on it. Also lets you cast Feasting Troll King, like just for its mana value, which is and then pretty gives, difficult. Then that actually. gives you the three food, and you can cast three more mana worth of stuff. Yeah, I mean that that interaction is pretty cool. That is kind of sick. Until now, I mean, like the the problem with Troll King in these like Asmore or Underworld Cookbook decks is that you want to discard it and like discard on turn one, discard on turn two, and then discard the king and get it back. But yeah. The out of just like I have foods in play and a Knight of Sweets Revenge and I draw a Troll King, I can like actually cast this card instead of having four mana and need to discard it and sacrifice three foods. That's neat. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Yeah, there's something here. I, I will be trying some stuff with it for sure. You want to go back to red cards because we jumped ahead. We did. Yeah. So my first red card, I've got Godric Cloaked Reveler. This is one and two red for a three, three haste. And it's got Celebration. Celebration is as long as two or more non-land permanents enter the battlefield under your control this turn, then its thing happens. And this thing is that Godric becomes a dragon with base power and toughness 4-4, flying and red dragons you control get plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. And I think what really sold me on this as a possibility, Ross and Tannen pointed out, which is that sagas that flip enter the battlefield and so if you play turn one Kumano faces Kakazan, and then you play this on turn three, this is just a 4-4 haste, and you're also attacking with your Kumano faces Kakazan. A 4-4 flying haste. And that's yeah, your etchings. Yeah. Yeah. That that's a lot of damage on turn three. If you're attacking with like like the threats you've put into play are your two drop that got a plus one plus one counter your two two haste that you cast on turn one and then this three mana four four flying haste so whenever that curve works out that seems really really strong yeah i, I hadn't considered that actually uh the fail case is not that bad for this card either like because I mean, you don't draw two of them because it's just a three mana three three haste like that's a not a bad style line right and hopefully you can work in some amount of other things that like will trigger the celebration you know I, I don't know what like token generation there is or anything but anything that comes into play with a roll on it or something like that works like triggers celebration yeah i'm just kind of looking at all the cards that make things when they enter the battlefield like anything that makes a treasure like the the four mana dragon because mm-hmm. that's also this card pumps decadent dragon yeah that's the card i was looking for that's a, a four mana dragon that when it attacks you make a treasure so as long as you've played something and you can attack with the dragon, Godric becomes a dragon in combat. Yeah. Uh, Voldar and Epicure is standard legal and probably not the worst thing that you could put into a red aggro deck. Yeah. It's not the best thing, but... Uh, this would require a bunch of scryfall searching, I think. Because there's a couple of like red bargain cards that are, mm-hmm. I think, don't hit players, which kind of sucks. But that would make me more interested in the, the Epicure if you could just like get rid of the token. Blood token's good. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. It's just like 
It'd be nice if it was a little extra. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But there may be some, like, nice little synergies that you add on to this, like, this basic kit, which is that this hits really hard with Kumano faces Kakazan and, like, your opponent. Like, you go turn one Kumano faces Kakazan, turn two, just two, two haste, but it becomes a three, three haste. And then you cast this, like that's that's clocking them for what four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thir- like you've done 13 damage on turn three uh you know barring whatever interaction that they have but that's an incredible goldfish pace yeah that's definitely one of the like turn sequences that would be very upset right at. <laughs> like what i'm being attacked i'm going to seven untapping and playing my third land being like okay what's what's happened here <laughs> where have we gone wrong <laughs> Didn't draw a cut down. You, you just played like a triome and then a, a a creature land, and then it's like, ah, oh, I guess I'm dead. I don't, I don't know. I this didn't go very it well. Definitely, definitely brought the wrong knives to this gunfight. <laughs> yes. Also, like like the the fire breathing on this thing too means that after that, like Kumano faces Kakazan turn. Whenever you do play, like oh, Voldar and Epicure. Oh, I'll just put three red mana into this thing and hit you for seven this turn like three damage please yeah anyways next ne- next card yeah i'm interested in this one you have realms quarter hellkite on here uh, i'll read this one for you mm-hmm. this is a four red red four six dragon with flying and haste and bargain uh, when it enters the battlefield if it was bargained add four mana in any combination of colors uh it's got two mana to deal one damage to any target yeah, I'm just kind of curious, like, how high up the curve we can push the, like, haste dragon that gives you a lot of value the turn it comes into play. Goldspan dragon was one that people weren't sure about during spoiler season. And then as soon as we started playing with it, it was like, oh, yeah, five mana for this. And then it refunds you two mana and also just, like, gives you so much value if it stays in play at all beyond that and also rewards you your view for getting it killed by your opponent etc like gold span dragon is obviously a better card than this like and if you mutate onto it you get treasure wow that's so good I, we were really thinking about that interaction when I mean, looking at someone this card. was someone definitely was and that person's name cft sock so i'm kind of curious and you know like glory bringer defined standard five mana dragon that does a thing when it comes into play it does a very good flame thing tonkavu that attacks right how far can we push that up the curve? Because we looked at those drags and it was like, yeah, I mean, they're good, but like five mana, is that constructed viable? Six mana is a way bigger ask. When you do hit this and it does work and then you like cast another spell, the turn it comes down or worst case, act, you know, activate it twice and get a forked bolt out of it, I guess. It hits pretty hard. It is, it has a lot of toughness. It's kind of hard to kill. I don't know if, paying that six mana upfront cost is like a reasonable thing to think that you can accomplish in your deck, especially because you need to bargain to get the four mana back and you kind of must do that in order for this card to be any good at all. And so are we It's also casting elves into this? Yeah. And red is a color that does not make a lot of free tokens. Like every other color in this set even just makes like one ones in black there's like a million rats mm-hmm. uh white gets all the knights and some food blue blue doesn't really get anything either but i guess blue has a lot of auras not not relevant for playing dragons and then green gets a million food. we have banned fable of the mirror breaker which would be the obvious 
like thing yeah, the obvious to, sacrifice to, to push into this card yeah it's like asking you to play some sort of mid-range deck that also is interested in the iron crag i guess mm -hmm. which is okay like you can cast it and sack the iron crag and get your mana yeah or you're playing like bramble elemental type cards in a green red deck or something i don't i don't love this card i'm not sold on it and i don't think it like fits in we're like you know Gold's I wish it had dragon. two more power. If it had two more power, it'd be way if more. If it were a six, yeah, for sure. For sure. Like a four. I don't like paying six mana, even with haste and attacking for four. That's. Come on, just let me have the, the, that extra oomph. <laughs> like, Godric has a fire breathing ability on him that costs one red mana. And this one's two I, mana. I mean, I'm much higher on Godric than I am on this card. Surprise, the three mana card seems more appealing than the six mana card. Wild. This is the day's Inferno Titan. It does like compare not badly to Inferno Titan though, right? You know, you can kind of no, see it does compare badly to Inferno Titan. You think so? Yeah, Inferno Titan does its thing no matter what. Yeah. You don't have to set up for it beforehand. And it also if you like if you <laughs> Inferno Titan tries to clear the board when it attacks, and if it succeeds, your opponent just loses the game because it has fire breathing. Yeah, I mean that's true. The fire breathing is surprisingly relevant sometimes. But like if you if you ever were to untap with this thing, it would it would do a lot. Like it would mess your opponent's board up and probably kill them. And it also like does a thing the turn that it comes down. Like I think it it compares reasonably well to Inferno Titan, which as I have been cubing both the Arena Cube and the Vintage Cube, like Inferno Titan just holds up. So yes, yeah, Inferno Titan's quite good. Mostly because it's like incredibly mana efficient, and this card is only mana efficient if you've yeah set it up with a bargain, which maybe you can do, but I don't know how right now. I don't, I don't either. I think there is something there, but I also am not trying to put six mana cards in my deck generally. So you you got to prove it to me. Yeah, TBD. We'll wait until, you know, another team or ultimatum comes out or whatever. Sure. Uh, next, I've got Rotisserie Elemental. This is a one red mana, one one menace. Whenever it deals combat damage to a player, put a skewer counter on it. Then you may sacrifice it. If you do exile the top X cards of your library, where X is the number of skewer counters on it, you may play those cards this turn. If there is a red aggressive deck with a low curve, I think that this probably fits it just because like one drops are hard to find. And this one is basically unblockable and is not that hard to like trade in for like one or two cards. Uh, the bar for one mana creatures that attack and are hard to block is like pretty low. So this card really, really makes me miss Bowman Courier. Yeah, it's it's a very bad version. It like Bowman Courier is just so satisfying and feels so good to cast and start hitting with. But this is, you know, I th th this will do what it does. Also, like from a flavor perspective, this is this is weird to me because we like, you know, we have fire elementals, water elementals, grief, fury. Mm -hmm. This is an elemental of, of a rotisserie. rotisserie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> and it's like holding the rotisserie, but the elemental appears to be made out of fire. Yeah, so it's. It's a very confusing card to me, flavorfully. <laughs> yeah, I don't quite get the concept. But I Is it holding the skewers and that what makes it like more powerful? Yeah, it's wielding the rotisserie as a weapon, it appears, but I don't know if the rotisserie is incorporated into the body of the elemental in the way that you would 
you would think. Right. It's it's less of a rotisserie elemental and more of a, you know, the rotisserie fire elemental. Yeah. Maybe that didn't fit on the card. No, it definitely would. Yeah. It is a little clunky, though. Sure. But, you know, have you seen any of the names of legendary creatures nowadays? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right, next red card I've got on here is Virtue of Courage. This is three red red for an enchantment. The The enchantment text, it has an adventure. It's in the cycle with the other, you know, mythic adventure enchantments. So the text is whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, you may exile that many cards from the top of your library. You may play those cards this turn. And the adventure is one in a red for an instant that deals two damage to any target. So... Obviously, this card is no Bone Crusher Giant. The way that Bone Crusher Giant gave you the stomp, What's Bone Crusher and Giant? then yeah. like it curved perfectly into a fine rate three mana creature. You know, Bone Crusher Giant is Bone Crusher Giant. This is a totally different type of card. I, I think it is a really cute idea in like burn decks where you, well, obviously in like standard burn heavy aggressive decks where you can use the two mana spell whether you need to kill a creature or you just hit them with it whatever you have to spend your cards on over the course of the game once you cast this like a single burn spell to the face kind of chains into a ton of stuff potentially at least like anytime you have this in play and you cast play with fire targeting them like you're gonna or second Emberth Blaze or second Emberth Blaze, they work together really, really well. You actually just start going off really, really hard from there. Yep, I like this card a lot. It's a little clunky, yeah, because it's pretty inefficient on both sides. But it's it's like you said, like once you take the turn off to play your five drop that doesn't do anything, uh, and you untap with it, your opponent's almost certainly dead if you have a burn spell in your hand. Yeah, like and they're at a, ver- a fairly low life total. It allows you to come back in games where you had to trade a bunch of resources off as an aggro deck, like had to kill a creature that was doing terrible things or whatever, like they killed your stuff and you have very little left except for this thing that was left behind after an adventure. You cast it and then whenever you top deck a burn spell, like they're all reckless impulses after that. Yeah, it's especially really good in like the scrappy yeah red mirrors where both players have this it's like you know because you want to control their threats and then they give this card to go over the top and get back that card advantage yeah and this is extremely unkillable in those mirrors so i also love gameplay aside i love the art of this card like both versions Mm -hmm. Uh, i think the 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 normal art is really good it's it's art of a, a guy walking over a bridge of lava essentially uh, but the showcase art is like perspective of Donkey from Shrek crossing the dragon. <laughs> I I was gonna say I like the on the normal art I do like the perspective a lot. I like the vanishing point and the just you know you don't know where this bridge ends that this knight is about to cross. It's very cool. It's very well done. That's what the courage is for. Yeah, exactly. It's it's thematic. Yeah, flavor flavor and drain is always good. It is out of the park. All right, I want to uh, do. Let's talk about your last green card before I talk about a couple. We can. I'm not like super excited about this card or anything. We we can talk about whatever you are more excited to talk about. Well, I want to talk about this one because it's 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 neat. Yeah, this is Sentinel of Lost Lore. One and two green for a three four elf knight. When ETBs choose one or more, return target card you own in exile that has an adventure to your hand. 
put target card you don't own in exile that has an adventure on the bottom of its owner's library, and it also can exile target player's graveyard. So a couple of things here. If you cast an adventure but haven't cast the creature part yet, you can return that to your hand. Like that's that's the first mode is reuse the adventure part of a card, which on some of these, like the enchantments that have an adventure on it, like you just have time to recast the adventure part before you wanted to cast the the big half of the card anyways. So that's a nice just like little bonus. And then if anytime your opponent has like cast their one of their virtues, cast the adventure part of it, then you cast this thing and now they no longer are headed towards the five or six mana part of that card uh you just get rid of it and that's like quite a bit of value on your three mana three four and exile target player's graveyard you know always can be relevant also you can exile your graveyard so that the next sentinel of lost lore or if you're blinking this or whatever can return an adventure card that was in your graveyard that it exiled so i I think there's just like a lot of stuff going on on this three mana three four yeah it has has real rift sweeper vibes in some ways especially against the the virtues yeah where you know a face-up card is coming and you don't like it so you just can't get rid of it right less less like important to do that than when your opponent like paid seven mana for eon chronicler and you're just like i need to make that go away yeah I, i just like the sizing of this card yeah because three mana three four is not bad it's got endurance quality of it also hits graveyards. <laughs> um, it, it just like does a lot of little things. Like I don't expect it to be played a bunch, but if you can do adventure stuff, like the the teamer uh, legendary adventure thing mm-hmm. is playable, I would expect this card to be an important card in it because it's one of the bigger adventure thematic creatures available to you. I mean, any matchup where you have adventures and your opponent also has adventures, like this card is excellent. And then in matchups where you're the only one that has adventures, it's like probably fine. Maybe a card that you board out. Can I talk about Elvish Archivist? Yeah, absolutely. This is a one in a green zero one elf artificer. Whenever one or more artifacts enters the battlefield under your control, you put two plus one plus one counters on it. It only triggers once a turn. Uh, whenever one or more enchantments enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. This triggers only once each turn. I think this card is mostly unremarkable, Mm -hmm. but I am interested in it for just one deck, literally just one deck. Uh, And that would be Hardened Scales in Modern, Mm -hmm. because this card does get big very quickly. Uh, And Hardened Scales has a lot of random enchantments in it that really are good when they cantrip. Uh, Hardened Scales itself is an enchantment that is good in multiples but the second one is way worse than the first one Mm -hmm. uh so drawing a card is is great and it's not like the drawing two hardened scales is bad it's that drawing two hardened scales is much worse than drawing one hardened scales and once a a card that works with it yeah uh and urza saga is completely very very good with this card because it draws a card when urza saga enters the battlefield right not when you you can activate it you're right and then when you activate it on your opponent's turn to create an artifact it gets counters on your opponent's turn as well. Mm, so you get four in a turn cycle, four counters in a turn cycle. That is nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This card is speculative. I don't think it's a slam duck by any right. means because it is an O one and you can't trigger it multiple times, which means if your opponent, you know, you play this and you play a welding jar to trigger it and your opponent plays workers, Bone masters. Well, you can't 
make an artifact to trigger it again because it's not it doesn't work like that yeah so it just dies to the bowmasters and that sucks that's not a problem what the patrick automaton has uh, and bowmasters is a card that's really bad against hardened scales for the most part so opening yourself up to just like getting bowmasters sucks but maybe i try this out anyway because it's really cool with uh extra uh, hard scales and urza saga like it's really good with urza saga sure is there any way to play hardened scales and pioneer with this so maybe uh hardened scales i've tried in pioneer before the issue is not really the sizing of your creatures it's that at some point you run out of stuff to do and you can't convert yeah uh like the ozolith from akoria is really 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 strong in pioneer but you can never draw walking ballista to put the counters onto <laughs> right and botanical brawler i believe is the name of the oh, yeah that's the card with trample that is a plus one counter centric card it's from march of the machine uh, it gets a counter whenever something you control gets a counter. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really nice one. And that's a color combination where you get to play Dronoka's Command, mm-hmm. uh, and which is a good card in Pioneer, but underplayed because green-white sucks. We've talked about this before, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the issue I have with kind of Pioneer Hardened Scales is that you didn't have a lot of self-contained enablers for Hardened Scales. Right. Uh, like you had Enduring Bond Warden, which is a really good backup creature that kind of makes your creatures into a, a modular card. Like it just moves their counters when they go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was cool. And I think maybe we are reaching a point where cards are self-contained enough to do something. But the problem with this Archivist... Then you're not running that many artifacts anymore. You don't point. have that many artifacts. Right. Like you, this isn't a Ravager deck or anything like that. You just have the Ozolith and the other Ozolith, which are both really important. But your creature base and your like the cards you're playing to the board are not artifacts. So this card is hard to make trigger. Sure. And obviously, if you have either Ozolith in play and you draw a second copy, like, yeah, you can play it on the board to get counters from this guy. But that's... Right. Not, not quite getting you there. Yeah. It's not doing that much. And there's only so much room for these two mana creatures in... The deck's like, you know, it, it needs to be doing something. And so you, your deck must be built to make this guy very good in order to justify it. Right. And I don't think it's quite there. Like maybe if more of the creature base were enchantments, you could just use this as a draw engine that occasionally gets counters. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be cool. But I don't, that deck's definitely not there. Sure. So that's why mostly I was looking at it from yeah. a modern point of view. But, right. There is some like quite a bit of power contained in this thing if you somehow can make the, both of the synergies work consistently and that that's definitely where the struggle comes in. And yeah, like I, I do agree. Like, yeah, the hardened scales deck in modern is pretty good at making this a good card, but Holy crap. Workish Bowmasters is really good against it. Yeah. And it's, it's really bad too, because most of the time my opponents sideboard out the Bowmasters against hardened scales. And if they don't, I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I have this card in my deck, all of a sudden it's like a complete blowout if they ever do it. Yeah. Yep, that's that's too bad. And I think that generally right now, building modern decks, your first consideration is make Orcish Bowmasters bad against me. So Or manageable. Yeah. At least manageable, yeah. Or play your home. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're we're cutting Ragavan and DRC from our like blue 
tempo-y counterspell decks. So, like, it's a pretty significant force, in, like, driving force in modern deck building. Yeah, we don't have to go too deep on modern, but I think uh, the cutting rag of bands has gone over overblown right now. Maybe, but like, I do pe- think that, people like... People are too scarred. <laughs> I, I, I do think that, like, you know, playing Death Shadow over playing... You know, playing a Raghavan-less Death Shadow deck like makes a lot of sense over playing like Raghavan DRC Merktide. Yeah, I, I agree with that. We'll we'll go into modern at some point, but not today. Yeah, I think we're doing pretty good. We could do like one or two more cards, especially if there's anything you particularly want to talk about. I don't think there was something I was huge on. I still love the Sugar Mob. We talked about that last yeah. week. That's. That's the card that is good in Glimpse of Tomorrow and nowhere else. Nowhere else. else but it's really good in Glimpse of Tomorrow. Yep. Like, really, really good. Two permanents for two mana. Like, I know it just sounds really stupid. Like, okay, you know, whatever. It's another Wave Sifter. Like, who cares? Yeah. But drawing but Wave like, Sifter is really good in that deck. When people lose to this deck or see it played, uh, and sometimes it's just like the casino version. I think that's what people call it, where it's just like Emrakles and you, you do it on three. Yeah. You put Emrakles and Omniscience in play, and you, you see if you win or not. Right? Uh, even in that version, you want to have as many permanents as you can before you cast your stupid spell. Uh, and having a huge density of two mana cards that create stuff is huge. Yeah, that it, it's actually really good in a way that you know printing another random permanent that enters the battlefield and is good like doesn't like people put a traxa and invasion of alara into their glimpse decks to go into uh like go into play after you glimpse mm-hmm. and like those cards are cool and neat and they're big and flashy and are cool but they don't actually make the deck better because <laughs> like, they don't do anything to address its like problems right like they're just good when you did the thing already yeah but the thing that lets you do the thing that's what we're interested in right it's your cycling cards at living end. That sort of deal. Right. Your griefs. All right. That's enough comparing devouring sugar on a grief for one episode. <laughs> <laughs> Just a casual comparison. Probably at least as good and important yeah. as modern. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Does let you play grief. <laughs> I mean, that, like, you know, any black card becomes a little bit better because of the existence of grief. That is not untrue. Where's this card I wanted to talk about? I think we talked about it a little bit before, but I'm a little higher on it now. It's the one mana Candy Trail. Candy Trail is a one mana artifact food clue. It is a food and a clue at the same time. So you could pay two, sack it, and you gain three and draw a card. You don't have to pick between them. You just get both. (laughs) Uh, And then when it enters the battlefield, you scry two. I, I liked this card before just due to my love of piddly artifacts that do something when they come into play and you can cash them in for value Mm -hmm. Uh, but i'm even higher on this card now after like doom foretold stuff sure (laughs) because it does the things you want to do and it allows you to play the game early like the doom foretold deck once and i know i'm going around doom foretold again but this is what i see playing it in currently uh it wants permanence to play really early and it wants to draw its important cards really early and this card does both of those things and it while wants to you to cash it in and it wants to hit its fourth land drop on turn four yeah hugely yeah. it's also a card you can bargain away mm-hmm. with beseech the mirror which i think is incredibly important to the yeah i'm perspective doom for toll deck i'm into this for that it's also just like any cheap artifact that does a thing 
finds a spot somewhere like yeah it'll be broken in some weird deck that plays a sorcery that brings all your artifacts back in the graveyard in some second sunrise fashion sure and you'll see it you'll be like oh yeah that's what this card is for just nonsense yeah but (laughs) someone else will come up with that (laughs) it just is too cheap and like replaces itself and i mean you have to spend some mana to make it replace itself so it's not as clearly busted as you know a a one mana artifact that just replaces itself it it doesn't it's not as obvious it's not arkham's right or chromatic star or something like that but it's got some stuff going for it. Yeah, I, I like this a lot too with um, Emery. Like I mm-hmm. in Pioneer specifically. Like there's a million better things to do with Emery in Modern. But I've played a couple of Emery decks in Pioneer, and you really feel the loss of like going from Historic to Pioneer. You don't have Chromatic Sphere, mm-hmm. so you're like really don't have very many cheap card advantage options for artifacts that Emery can bring back. Uh, this card is a lot better. If you're playing something like a Kinnon Paradox Engine Brew that people have been playing here and there. Sure. Uh, you can just slip a candy trail into there and make your Emery's cheaper. Your Maria's will, that's the red green legend from Dominaria. You can tap it for mana with that. Oh man, do we finally get to play that card? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, so, we were really, Maria's time will come. Yeah, eventually. I. It's just got good text on it. Yeah. It's in weird colors for that text, but it's good text. Yeah. And right, the 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 greater the number of like colorless artifacts that then would work with it, like the the then you're getting closer and closer to making it work. Yeah. Like this is just a candy trail is just a one mana artifact little cog that right. kind of helps your deck run smoother. It's not it's not good in every deck. It's far from good in every deck. But like the decks that can utilize the the artifact typing on it, I think you make it really shine because it's just so cheap. Yep, like cheap cards are good. It also has the food and clue types, and I guess food is a little more relevant. But you know, we have multiple things that like have synergies with food. Like it makes a mana with uh, the Knight of Sweets. I, I can't remember the name of the card, but it makes a mana with revenge? that card. Um, Knight of Sweets Revenge. I think? Knight of Sweets Revenge. Yeah. But so, you know, little synergies there, too. I don't know if that ever comes up, but it does have a couple of subtypes on it that maybe make it relevant with things. Yeah, you can sacrifice it to Lonus, Cryptozoologist, if you were to accidentally put those cards in your modern deck together. Yeah, or to Tamio's Journal. Yeah, that's a fun one. I, I like that card, actually, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Not as good as Tamio's Notebook, but your journal's okay. Oh, did Tammy, I... If you're gonna if you're gonna scry follow, Tamio's notebook is the emblem. Oh, like the from the Phyrexian from... one. Okay, yeah, yeah, it makes right. all your spells super cheap, and you can tap a draw card. Yes, yeah, so you you don't get to cast that one. No. Also, Candy Trail has the the aesthetic I really like in the set, which is just candy, candy dudes, murder, candy murder. <laughs> <laughs> so the only other card that I like want to talk about today is Kellen the Fey Blooded. So this is a two and a red human fairy, two two double strike. Other creatures you control get plus one plus zero oh for each aura and equipment attached to Kellen the Fey Blooded. And his adventure is birthright boon, one and a white for sorcery. Search your library for an aura or equipment card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle. You know, other people have talked about this card in a sort of like aura or equipment deck. It is a nice way of like getting value. One thing that I think is also really important with it is that 
when you search a library for an aura, you can get removal. So you can get like a chain, chain to the rocks. rocks in Pioneer, and it's exactly the right colors for that. Or in Standard, you can get like ossification because that enchants your land. Or you can get the one that enchants a a creature or a planeswalker and or or an artifact and they can't attack or block and their activated abilities can't be activated so the fact that this can get removal or get your whatever you know it doesn't have to just get a thing that you're trying to enchant your creatures with and i think that that is kind of a big deal for making this card work and if you do have time to do that and then it is you know just a two two double strike creature that you get in addition to that and i probably has some synergies in your deck like i think that's the missing part of the equation there to make this card like kind of interesting is like oh yeah this can also just get a good removal spell uh i've kind of thought about this in the pia deck for a second in pioneer Mm -hmm. because it's a card you can cast from exile that's okay it can get a chain to the rocks yeah uh and if you want if you so choose you can try to get a uh, an ember cleave Mm -hmm. and just like set that up and try to kill your opponent yeah yeah, because this card does already have double strike, and you can give it to something else, and you're good to go. Yeah, probably pretty hard to fit it in there ultimately, but it it is interesting, and I don't know exactly what it would go into, but it at least in standard, it's like a pretty good value card, I think. Yeah, I think it's quite good. Uh, the the bad thing is like Kellen the creature is like kind of medium. Yeah, That's the the downside. If you have like incidental ways to pump creatures in your deck at all. Like, I don't want a ton of auras and equipment, but if I have any, he doesn't have the dragon typing. So unfortunately, <laughs> you know, Godric, whatever, the, the the dude who has all dragon fire breathing when you have celebration doesn't doesn't pump him. But if you had anything like that, like even just putting a plus one plus one counter on this thing with like Kumano faces Kakazan or something is like a really big deal. Any anything that does that sort of thing is is nice with him. Oh, I have one more card I thought of that I want to talk about. Sure. Pollen Shield Hair. You know, we, we, I I missed my window while we were talking about the bad white two drops. Yeah. Uh, this is another bad white two drop. Uh, it's a two mana rabbit, two two, one and a white. With the ability creature tokens you control get plus one plus one. It has an adventure. Uh, target creature you control gains vigilance and gets plus x, plus x plus x until end of turn where x is the number of creatures you control it is a sorcery so you can't like kill them in combat with it yeah it also doesn't give trample on like like strength and numbers or versions of this effect right. that we've actually liked in the past versions of the effect that aren't stable to another card yeah i mean <laughs> that you have to spend a slot on <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Uh, but this is, uh, I, I like this kind of card because it's like a, a 2-2 that can have a relevant ability, mm-hmm. uh, especially if your deck is kind of freeloading into it, like especially with wedding announcement. Right. Yeah. If there's enough just playable token making stuff and then you're just like, oh yeah, I'm green, white with hair and wedding announcement. And then there's a bunch of playable token makers like that is yeah, a deck. Our, our virtues of whatever the white virtue is yeah loyalty that's us that actually seems like a start to me that that's not far off uh, like, like i think this card is not great but has a lot more net like it's a lot more possible upside than something like the the sorcerer role thing we were talking about earlier sure where like that card is maybe better on average like it has vigilance built in and it can do something on an empty board mm-hmm. uh, whereas this card cannot 
but the upside of this card is way higher. Right. Yeah. I I I can see it and I can definitely see a deck existing that just starts with hair wedding announcement, the white virtue and unicorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, got to get the, all the rabbits in the deck. Got, yeah, the rabbit theme deck for sure. We're going hair mad. <laughs> it's it's I was going to say it's hair raising, but that's the name of the That's the name of the card. Yeah, thing, I thought so. about that one. <laughs> Also, there's a lot of like little cute critters in this set for like a couple of sets preceding Bloombury, mm-hmm. where it's just you know you got the hares and the otters and some rats. I mean, and some it's, mice. it's pretty traditional for fairy tales, so I think that kind of tough to avoid. Yeah, there's like the the little what's the card? The just squeaking by the cheeky house mouse. Yeah. that's what it's called. Just a cute little cute little guy. Yeah, just a cute little Savannah Lions with upside that will be completely unplayable. Yeah, I mean, Savannah Lions is unplayable unless you're going like one drop, double one drop, three mana pump spell mm-hmm. with like three mana anthem. That's like the only situation where Savannah Lions has ever been playable. Yeah, and uh, we're we're not really trying to do that these days. Yeah, we're not there. God, I love the Land Art and Eldraine. That's a pretty set. Like even the non-full art lands, I think, are gorgeous. <laughs> but I think that's about all I wanted to talk about. Cool. Yeah, I'm I'm good for today. I I don't think there's anything else. Any other thoughts on the set before we will do our uh, full set review? Well, our our top fives next week. So we'll be ready and having looked over the whole thing by then. I will say that I might be more aggressive in my top fives this go around Mm -hmm. because i was thinking about this the other day like back when we did the brothers war top fives when we did blue cards there's like you know arcane proxy was the talk of the town or whatever at that point like pretty high maybe number one Mm -hmm. but i had like phalagi architects as number five Mm -hmm. and i think that card has seen more play it has yeah it's been significantly better and i'm like i i was just right there i should just (laughs) believe in myself more yeah i'm down (laughs) Yeah, give us the hot takes for sure. Yeah, so Candy Trail is you know probably gonna be way up there. <laughs> I can make the so so I can make that a a genre of the TikToks that I'm making is like once a a card gets proven good, then I can do like a flashback to our card episode where you had it at number one or something with the date on there, and then we like fast forward to it being heavily played. That would have been really good for Modern Horizons 2 when I called Astrolabe the best card in the set. <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> and Unfortunately, we're wasn't well a... past that, the relevance uh, of yeah, that. Yeah, way, way. All the cards have been banned. That was before people like thought about Astrolabe at all. And I was just like, I don't know, this card turns on Moxel when it draws you a card. It seems really good. <laughs> to be fair. For that reason. <laughs> once once you mentioned it at all, Collins and I were both like, yeah, you're probably right. This, this card seems really, really good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Once someone brings it up, you're like, you know what? Yeah, I think you're right. Insane. But people don't bring it up. Yeah. Like cards like that that are really innocuous, like Falaji Architects. To be honest, I mean, it's always enablers that are like the thing. It's yeah, that's why I'm so excited about the stupid Sugar Maw. Yeah, because it's it's an, it's enabler. an enabler. It's not like super powerful or anything. You don't even cast the front half. Right. It's just sweet treats. Here you go. <laughs> And that's all we're really looking for is sweet treats. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really, really appreciate your time. 
Uh, check out the podcast on my stream recording on Tuesday evenings, twitch.tv slash CCR underscore grindcast. Uh, also, just the stream generally Tuesdays, Thursdays, generally Saturdays and Sundays. But this weekend, I will not be streaming because I have other real life plans. <gasps> real life plans. Yeah. Going, oh. going on a little camping trip. Okay. Hopefully That'll be fun. the storms will be over by the time the camping trip starts. If you see any creatures composed entirely of candy, you should get out of there. Yes. I would have done that before any of this Eldraine review stuff. I would It's just on my mind right now. Yeah. You know? But thank good advice. I'll stick to it. Thanks, y'all. Have a great week. Bye.